So I want to talk to you just for a few minutes, and then uh, Amanda and I are going to tag team. Is that okay? Um, you know, we talk about operating in the courts of heaven. You know, most of you know that there's kind of a fresh understanding that is coming to uh, the body of Christ in recent years about uh, praying from a different perspective. It's more from a legal perspective. It's approaching God as the judge who uh, overturns injustice that's been done and different things. And, uh, you know, this didn't start with Robert Henderson, just so you know. Um, 20 years before I ever heard of Robert Henderson... I was driving down the road, and the Lord told me, this was back about 1992 probably. I was driving down the road. We were living in northern Virginia. And the Lord said to me, you're going to write a book. I said, really? I said, okay. He said, it's going to be called Operating in the Courts of Heaven. No, it's not going to. That's Henderson's book. He said, it's going to be called Chronicles of a Heavenly Court. I said, really? I hadn't even heard of that. Up, and, up until then. But from that point on, the Lord actually began to show me things from a legal perspective. And I, and I suppose the book's just going to be about stories of all the things that I've seen since then and the things that he's taught me about operating from that perspective. And, uh, and stories of that, which is what Chronicles are, is stories. But uh, one of the major things that we do when we do courtroom-type activities is that we clear the record officially of words spoken and their effects of binding and limiting God's people. It's one of the major things that we do. Uh, Revelation 12.10 refers to Satan as the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before the throne of God day and night. Now, it, it begins the chapter referring to him as a great red dragon. And it's kind of interesting because uh, somebody this morning during our worship was seeing us confronting this dragon. And that in our worship, we had no fear. We were facing this dragon head on and we were confronting it in our worship. So to me, that's just a confirmation that we're confronting the accuser and we're overcoming his nasty accusations. How many of you have felt like you've had to really battle to get it over the enemy's accusations against you? Got a few honest folks here. Okay. Probably been one of the most intense battles of my life is to face that accuser and to, and to back him down. And it's, it, he often accesses the throne of God through other brethren, through other brothers and sisters. Because uh, sinners do not have access to the throne of God. So if Satan is accusing the brethren day and night, how is he getting in front of the throne of God? He's accessing the throne 
through sons and daughters who have legal access because we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Selah. Think about that. The sinner's accusations against me or against you don't have that much power. But when they come from brothers and sisters in Christ, they are devastating. It works directly against the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, when if you go into a courtroom setting, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. He's our defender. He advocates for us. He advocates for every son and daughter that's washed in the blood of Jesus. But Satan shows up as the prosecutor. He's the accuser. That's what the accuser of the brethren is. He's the prosecutor in the courtroom bringing charges against you and I before the throne of God. I don't know how many of you have ever been exposed to courtroom activity. I've been exposed to quite a bit of it uh, because of, of uh, business and uh, my business occupation that, I, that I've had. And so I've had to get very thoroughly accustomed to how a courtroom operates. And, uh, and so I understand the role of the defender and the role of the prosecutor. Um, but it says then in Revelation 12 that the brethren overcome him. And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, by the words of their testimony... We've got that down pretty good. And by not loving their lives even unto death. Well, why is that such a big deal? Because until we've laid down our lives, he often rules us through fear. If you don't think that's true, think of where most of the church was at during the whole COVID thing in 2020. Don't tell me. Christians don't deal with fear. Until we've laid down our lives, the enemy has plenty of ground to accuse us and to hold us hostage. That old drag, we need to face that thing and we need to overcome it. In Acts chapter 20, 23 and 24, it says, the Holy, this is Paul preaching, he said, the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await. How would you like to be going on missions trips around the world and everywhere you go, there's prophetic words, there's chains and tribulation waiting for you. How would you like that? They're going to put you in prison on this next trip. They're going to beat you. They're going to stone you. you. How many of you would really look forward to something like that? But Paul said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, which means dear means valuable. None of that's going to move me. None of that is going to keep me from the mission, from the assignment that God has put on my life. So that I may finish my race with joy 
and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So let me just say this. I wouldn't want to take soldiers to the front lines whose primary concern is saving their own skin. I'm just being honest. If your goal is to come back unscathed from the front lines, uh, yeah, you're not quite ready yet. When we've had mass shootings recently in the country, no school shootings and things, the law enforcement officers, officers who have come under reproach are those who have not been willing to lay down their lives. They weren't ready. They got hired because of an education, maybe, or because of political influence. But they weren't ready for the front lines. A good soldier has been recalibrated. What does that mean? When a soldier has been recalibrated, he runs to the sound of battle while everyone else is running from it. A good cop runs to the sound of gunfire, not runs from it like everyone else. A good fireman runs to the fire instead of from it like everyone else does. Because they've been recalibrated. They don't think the way they used to. And this is something that God is doing in the body right now. He's recalibrating us so that we're ready to run to the sound of battle, not from it. We're ready to go to the front lines because we've laid down our life. Our life does not belong to ourselves anymore. It belongs to him. And we'd rather go down in flames than to, well, you know, I use expressions that aren't too nice sometimes. I'd rather die on the front lines than die in a nursing home with people changing my diaper. Amen. Amen. That sounds more like hell to me than going to the front lines and laying down my life in honor for the king. So back to the, back to our words. In Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus said, I say to you that for, excuse me, for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. What does that mean? For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. What that means is, especially if you're a born-again Believer, and especially if you are a spirit filled born again believer, your words have power. And they're either going to give life or they're going to give death. They're either going to build up or they're going to destroy. And so we're going to have to answer for our words, especially how they've affected others. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I think the new living kind of knocks it out of the park, what it's really saying. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Sometimes 
Listen to me. Sometimes the words that bind us are our own words. This always happens to me. These words are not going to affect me because I'm just using them as an illustration. By the way, I don't say these things. I understand the power of words, and I don't say this kind of victim stuff. I can never get ahead. Our family always struggles with this stuff. Every time we think we're free, something else happens. Okay. Whatever you say. Make sure that you're not the weapon formed against yourself causing you not to prosper. Let me say that again. Make sure that you are not the weapon formed against yourself keeping you from prospering. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. It sounds like sometimes we're believing the devil more than we are God. You know, this thing that everything has to balance out, and so when I, good things come my way, oh, there's going to be some bad things to even it out, right? To bring balance to it. That's not the blessing of the Lord. Are you going to go through some tough stuff? Yep. But that's actually designed, that's allowed to come into our life. God doesn't send bad stuff, but he allows us to go through tough stuff to develop us as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, this coming December, three, three years ago, I broke my shoulder. And uh, I know people have gone through tougher stuff than a broken shoulder. I'm not saying it to say that that was worse than what other people go through. But I broke broke the, uh, uh, whatever you call that bone, that big bone right there. I broke that through, and then I broke the the knob on the outside that the muscle attaches to that goes to the rotator cuff. And and, uh, so both those things were broken off. This wouldn't have been so bad. That's been a, a little more difficult. And then it... I had a rough night one night and jerked. All right, I I took some medication because it was painful. And after that night, I stopped. So they gave me some medication. I woke up and, and, and went to catch myself, and I threw my arm out. Oh, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to take that stuff again. I don't like medication in the first place. And when I let down my guard, it... Messed me up. I'm not speaking against anybody taking medication. I'm just talking about me. Um, anyway, it's been a three-year battle getting my arm back to where it's just about as good as it was before. It's still a little more sensitive. But in the process, God's been teaching me some things. He's been teaching me to battle for something ongoing. Keep chopping that tree until it comes down. Don't just pray once, well, I guess God doesn't want to heal me. No. 
But he's been, he's been teaching me about going after something and not giving up. And not, along the way, a number of times people have prayed for me and something that wasn't healing the way it should have was healed and it began to recover more. And so it's, he's been teaching me about speaking specifically to things in order to get uh, what you're after and not just doing a general thing and, and, and wondering why it didn't happen. Some, you know, there's healing miracles and then there's healing that is a progressive work, but it's no less God healing you. And so it, it's it been teaching me to be tenacious about what I go after and not just to... Well, I guess God doesn't want to heal me a thing, you know. But what you're speaking today, you will live tomorrow. Your words are seeds that you plant today that will be your reality tomorrow. I, I loved what uh, Marcus Wangard, which Mar- Marcus has a, Seed company. He owns a seed company. He's got a revelation about seed. That's why he bought this place. He said, the only currency that God sees on earth is seeds. The currency that God sees are seeds. Everything in our life that we invest is a seed. When, when, when I give money to the Lord and to the causes that he puts on my heart, those are soldiers go, that I'm sending to the front lines. Those, those are seeds that I'm sowing into something. In, in, in uh, around 2016, when, when, when I was confronted with the reality of this very broken individual who came to me and said, the Lord sent me to you and said you would help me. And I'm like, Lord, why would you send somebody like this to me at a time like this? He said, if you help her, you will be sowing into the next season of your life. And we're beginning to see now the results of what I sowed into in in times when I thought I didn't have much to give. But but I said, okay. I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I know how to obey. And when the Lord speaks to me, that's, to me, that settles it. Okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what I'll do. Your feelings and your circumstances often war against the words that you speak in faith. Your feelings and your circumstances often war against the words that you speak in faith. Do those things move you? Well, you know, I believed it, but it's not happening, so I guess that must not be what God has for me. Stop it. Faith is not moved by what you feel or what you see in your circumstances. Faith has to be, for us, a greater reality than the circumstances that we see in the natural. Romans 10, 17 says that, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And and some of the most powerful words you will hear are God's words spoken through your own mouth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't just speak whatever you think, but 
Find God's promises that are relevant to your situation and start speaking what God says into your circumstances, into your situation, and you will see that God's word does not return void. But, it, but it's not a, oh, I said it today and it's not happening tomorrow, so it must not be. No, stop that. You don't know how long it takes that thing to germinate and come up. Are you hearing me? But you've got to stay tenacious in your faith. You know, there's things that I spoke for years and then I began to see them come to pass. You know, if it's, if it's a piece of grass, it'll come up in, in a few days. If it's an oak tree, it's going to take a while. It depends on the power and the significance of what you're sowing. I don't know about you, but I'm not in this for the short term. I'm in this thing for a thousand years. I'm, I'm, I want my life to count for generations after me a thousand years after I'm gone. So this is not a short-term thing for me. And I understand that if you're in the middle of pain and brokenness, you need some short-term relief. I understand that. God has that for you. But sometimes we do things in the midst of our pain that are actually not smart because all we can think of is getting immediate relief when we should be looking at laying strong foundations for long-term health. Amen? How hard are you trying to talk yourself out of what God is saying about you? And, you know, I, I had people tell me over the years, I think you're just being a little ridiculous when I tell them, watch your words. Um, I don't think it is ridiculous. I think, I think when you go through a tough situation, uh, what comes out of your mouth reveals where your heart is. And if you go to victim... God's not got you there yet. And you need to allow him to bring you there. You need to allow him to bring you to a place where what comes out of your mouth is words of faith and confidence and hope, not, oh, poor me. This always happens. Everyone always does this to me. If you use those kinds of words, this always, whatever, when you go through something tough, you are responding as a victim. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. I'm just telling you it's time that we allow the Lord to recalibrate us and to really bridle our tongue so that we're speaking words of faith, not words of hopelessness and despair. And allowing that thing to, you, you, know, you know why some of us inherited some of the stuff that we did in our families, you know, the generational junk? It's because that's how we were taught to respond to situations. And so we responded exactly the way that we heard all of our life. Amanda's going to come. We're going to share 
testimony of she's going to share, and we'll tag team a little bit what what uh, she's been coming through recently, which is amazing. Uh, she's amazing, and uh, um, and then we'll we'll tag team a little bit back and forth. But uh, before we do, if if you if you have been convicted about the words that you speak, can you just stand and I just want to pray for us. Father God, so many of us this morning are finding ourselves in the same place Isaiah was when he said, woe is me. I'm a man or woman of unclean lips. My, my language has not been aligning with the language of heaven. And so this morning, Father, we're asking that you send angelic messengers to us with a coal from your altar and put them to our lips and sanctify our lips. We ask you to purge and cleanness from our tongue and the heart that those words come from. And that you would shift something deep inside of us so that we do not respond to situations as the victim, but we respond as an overcoming, triumphant warrior in Christ. And that you begin to put in our hearts the promises that you have for us. And we're committed that we're going to start speaking those promises instead of what we feel or what we have seen. We're going to start speaking what you say about us so that we can begin to live into a greater future and a greater destiny. We ask that you overturn negative words that we've said about ourselves and about other brothers and sisters in Christ. That you overturn, that you strike those from the record in Jesus' name. And not hold those things against it. We just ask for the blood of Jesus to remove all of those things just like an eraser, removing them from our record, and that you'd give us an opportunity to transition into an overcoming life with an overcoming language, and that you would put a bridle on our tongue until we learn to bridle our own tongue. In Jesus' name. We thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. Um, so I was thinking about what, where I could start. Um, I, I feel like I need to lay just a little bit of a groundwork where this started. And um, pardon me. What? Okay. Um, but just some of the things that Yuri shared was so powerful. It just kind. Of, it was really. Uh, about what I what I want to share, and one of the things that he says that that there is a, a season when when he had to contend for his healing of his shoulder, and and we want to have th- something happen right away. I'm gonna I, I don't have any notes, so I'm gonna come down here because that, that is really big, <laughs> and I'm short. So. Um, 
And, I, and, and years ago, the Lord said that if I would have given you what you wanted, what you're asking for in the moment, you would have settled for what I want to give you. Because I want to give you what your heart is desiring, but I want to give you so much more. And often, when the Lord is wanting to, we want a breakthrough, we're praying for a breakthrough, he has to kind of un, um, he has to like dig up those, or uncover those things that are keeping us stuck, that is, that lies that we are believing. So he has to kind of dig these things up. We have to have a season where he's actually taking, bringing, uh, uncovering, unveiling these things that we are believing so that he can give us truth, okay? And so that the truth that he gives us is uh, we're we able to become that, okay? So um, I think, and I've shared uh, before, that there were like two things in my life that I have been contending for for many, many years. And I think, and, and I would say that those are two things I would find myself saying, those are two things that I probably would never stop, I'll never stop contending for because it means so much to me. And I don't care how many times, how long it takes, I don't care how many times it fall, I fall on my face, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to contend for it because it's, I'm so passionate about it. And sometimes I'm wondering if because I have lived into it if that is why I am so passionate about it because I actually have a lot of you know passions and and desires and things inside me you know I'm a dreamer and I have a lot of creative life in me and so my life is not boring just so you know and and I absolutely yep Yuri keeps keeps it from at times being boring. okay so so the, um, so one, uh, the one thing is that years ago, uh, I was a young Christian, and the Lord brought, he said, uh, one day he said, you know, uh, remember how you were so in love with, I mean, obsessed with Yuri? You know, before we were married, I, you know, we weren't dating, or even after we were dating, I think. I was so consumed with him. I was so, like... I'm still in love with him, but you know what I mean by when you are infatuated and you're, like, totally obsessed. Like, I always thought about him all day long. I would get up an hour early in the morning, and I would have, before I needed to get up, and I would have a cup of coffee. I would sit in the living room, and I would daydream about him, you know? And all day long, and if I had to have my mind, you know, uh, had to concentrate on something, as soon as I was done, I was daydreaming about Yuri. The Lord brought, me, brought that back to me, and he says, that is how I want to be with you. And that changed my life. And he said, it's only when you allow me to do the uh, work my nature in you that you can actually come into that. So that has been a passion and a desire in my life, all my life, that I've been contending for. And he's been building and laying a foundation in, in an amazing way. So, having said that, a year ago, I was getting ready to start fish. And as many of you know, I was having an attitude because the Lord had asked me to go to fish. And I, 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 I'm like, okay, but I was having a real attitude about it. I, and I remember the first day... Of fish, I was sitting in the back and I was thinking, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm here, but I don't have to like this. <laughs> and the next night was Friday night, uh, no, Monday night, 
and it, we had worship. It was amazing. Ethan, Steve's son, was here, and it was powerful. And I remember sitting in the back, and I was entering into worship, and all of a sudden, I'm like, God, I am really sorry that I'm having this attitude. I don't know why I'm having this, this resistance. And then he said, he said, I, he said, the reason why is because you, you, you have a, um, bro- your heart is broken. And he brought the scripture back to, to me about a hope deferred makes the heart sick. You have, Okay. And I realized, uh, and then he showed me, he said, because in my heart, I was like, Lord, you know that whenever you ask me to do anything, I say yes. What, but, but when are you going to come through for me in, this one situ- in these situations? And I've been contending for, for, for years. And that was the reason why my heart, like I was resisting. It's like, it, I wasn't realizing until that moment. Uh, what it why but it was like God you know I will always say yes to you so when are you going to say yes to me in this area so um then it was like a week later we were we were in worship at fish and 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 I was just sitting in the back and I and I said Lord um what do you want to say to me and all of a sudden I had a I had a I had a vision and um I heard the Lord say my Mandy and instantly, I, 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 um, it got my attention because I, I was always Mandy as a little girl. So when I heard the Lord call me Mandy, it was like re- it went back to my little self. And then he began speaking to me, and he began telling me, you know, promises he had made reminded me that he is going to give me all the desires of my heart because he put those things in, that I need to just trust him and continue to contend for it. And then, and so I wrote these things down. And then at the end, I had a vision. And I saw, my, a, I saw a little girl, me, run across this field. And Jesus was behind me walking. I was running and I stumbled and fell. And Jesus just switched down and picked me up and plopped me down again. And, we, and brushed me off. And we, we, we went running again. And he, Jesus was so happy. And that was the end of it. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, so I was really excited. I'm just the confirmation that God was going to come through for me. But later, I was thinking about this vision. And I'm like, isn't it interesting that he addressed me as Mandy, as my little girl self. And he ended with me. I saw my, my little girl self and with Jesus and that interaction so I take notice, and this is one of the things that I'm really encouraging. When God speaks to you, you need to share it with somebody or write it down. Because when you, when you confess it, when you say it, the enemy can't just, like, take it from you so easily. Because for my life is, like, always connecting. I mean, and God confirms things. And I know that I'm right on track because I look back and say, oh, this happened and this. Oh, yes, it's like we're on track. This is so God, Right. So um, last fall uh, was Greg Crawford had come to, uh, to had min- meetings, and it was a Saturday when he ministered to leaders. Okay, we had a leadership meeting. And, and Greg Crawford looked at me that morning, and he says, now I know. I, I, real, I know now why when the first time I met you that I was really, like, there was something about you that I was really drawn to you. I now know why the Lord just showed me. He said, I have met you before. 
I had a vision of you as a little girl. And all of a sudden, something was like settled inside me. I just felt it like settling inside me. And it was really profound because I, 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 I all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, he, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to hurry here. Um, but I wasn't, I, I, I felt a father, a spiritual father's voice. I heard it, a spiritual father's voice when Greg Crawford shared that to me, pointed out to me. And I realized that God used him to, to address this. So um, then different situations um, happened and I became very much aware, I realized that there's this little girl part of me that is always in the background and I don't know what to do with her. And, and, and it was only when Greg Crawford called it out. Okay? And um, so last Christmas, I uh, was riding, uh, we went to the, Christmas, the women's Christmas party and Doris asked if she could come with me. We rode together. And it was so God because I started, this was on my mind, and I started sharing with her. And I said, I don't, I realize that there's this little girl part of me that I don't, is in the background, and I don't know what to do with her. And I need to meet with you, and you need to, I need to help, I think you have, you can help me deal with this. So we did. So she came over, and Yuri was there. And, um, and then she, um, she, she does the restoring the foundation thing, and so it's, yeah. And she asked me, she said, so tell me, uh, just go in the spirit and see what, where that little girl is. So all of a sudden, I, I, it was this big, it was this room. And I saw m- m- me, the, I'm just going to call my little girl self, was standing back here. And I was, is about five years old. And, um, I saw the father in a chair in the room, and he was inviting the little girl to come to him, and she couldn't go to him. And I looked at her, and I had so much compassion for her that I found myself walking to her and getting her hand and walking her to the father because I wanted her to go to the father. But then when I got there, I found myself. We both actually sat in his lap. And we were holding hands all the time. Before this, Doris asked me, what do you think about, um, when you think about sitting in your own father's lap, what does that do to you? And I found, and I'm like, I have my only, and this is not to dis, dis, um, like put my dad down, because that's my only, this is the only way he, that's the only thing he knew how. He, the, he did the best he knew. So it's not like condemning him or judging him in any way. It's just the reality that I experienced and that he experienced. But my only time that I would ever sit in my dad's lap after I was a little, you know, not a baby anymore is if he had, he had spanked me and I had to sit in his lap until I stopped crying. And I didn't want to be there because I just needed to get away. And then all of a sudden, the Lord were bringing back all these memories that whenever I would hurt myself, I would be out. I love being out with my dad. My dad, I remember him telling me that his earliest memory of me was I was always out. And he, we, he was a, on the farm, and 
I was always out running ahead of him, looking back, he said, and talking to him. And I was always like underfoot. And whenever I would get hurt, it would scare my dad. And so he would yell at me, watch out, be careful with that, get out of there. That was his only way how he could relate to me. And so I would, every time, even when I would hurt myself, my dad, I would feel like I felt his anger. And so I would want to run away. And the Lord brought back that picture of Jesus, me running ahead of Jesus. You know how God gives us a replacement? And how I stumbled and he just took my arm and plopped me back on my feet and brushed me off. And the Lord began showing me what was going on, that he was beginning to change the narrative, change my perspective and how I related to God. And I've always had an had a problem with God the Father, coming to God the Father. You know, people would say, you know, they had this incredible experience with God, and they sat in his lap, and I'm like, whatever. You know, I had no concept of what that looks like. No idea. I mean, I, I couldn't even go there. I mean, it was, anyway, um, it was so amazing because I might not. I'm, I don't know if I left anything out here, but... Okay. So uh, Amanda's mom had eight kids in six years. Three sets of twins and two single ones. And so she would be pulling her hair out sometimes, you know, with eight little kids. And her dad would come in from the barn, you know, John, you have to do something. These kids are, are awful or whatever. And so his answer was he would spank them all. And 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 so... He stopped being safe for her then because she experienced injustice from him. That's when he stopped being a safe place for her, and she did not want to be in his lap. And so that uh, just subconsciously affected her relationship with Father God. And she always had this fear of being accused of something that she was innocent of. I was, a, I was a little Amish girl, and I remember my, having this fear that someday somebody's going to accuse me, and I'm going to be put in, in prison, and nobody was going to come and save me. You know, and that's strange that a little Amish girl would have that fear. But, so, are you, and the reason I'm sharing this is that God often has to take us places to undo a whole narrative and a whole belief that we, our concept that we have about God and, and about ourselves. But he's so faithful to do this. He's so faithful. And so when I, um, when, I, and I realized too then the next day that, that, that the little girl and I, we needed, we were actually fractured. And we needed to come together. And another uh, 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 truth that the Lord showed me was that I couldn't go to the Father without all of me. And so, anyway, it was, it was so amazing. And then shortly after that, uh, the Lord had laid on my heart that I want to go and talk to my, to my dad uh, because I realized that um, I have five, okay, so I was there in that meeting too. And so so then we after she had brought little the little girl to the father and they both sat on the father's lap. We invited the little girl to come home where she belonged and become a part of her. And something shifted and then she didn't see the little girl anymore. 
because the little girl wasn't separate from her anymore. It was a reality that part of her had fractured away at about five years old, four or five years old. And, and, and as long as that little girl part was separate, she, she would respond to situations like a little girl sometimes. And over the years, I would want to say, stop acting like a little girl. But I wouldn't because I'm smarter than that. <laughs> I knew what kind of a reaction that would probably get. Uh, but I would think that over and over because she had, she, it, was, it was a struggle for her to carry responsibility for leadership or things uh, as an adult. And so I would just say, stop acting like a little girl, you know, I, to myself. I wouldn't say that out loud. I would think it. But when that little girl part of her came home, all of a sudden that shifted. And, and all of a sudden, I'm realizing that I could step into leadership roles that I never was able to. And Yuri would ask me, you know, to even just a leading women's ministry. I could have never gone there. Like, I no, I had talked myself out. That is not a call because I, I'm not comfortable. And so, uh, so that huge shift came, and all of a sudden, I'm able to step into leadership and, 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 and in a way that I never realized that I would, you know, that it was possible. So none. real close to this was we had, um, the Lord would minister to my heart about my dad and my, my, or my heart was really sad about my brothers because I knew my brothers longed to have my dad affirm them and, and he wasn't able to. And, um, and I felt like um, the Lord, we were going to go visit him. And I really felt like this was like a mandate. There was like a very uh, divined uh, you know, encounter that God has set up for us. This is timing and, and everything. And the Lord reminded me that he years ago had told me that I'm going to use you to help your dad connect with his heart. And I'm thinking, oh, that has to take a miracle, you know. And then a couple of years later, he said, your dad is going to bless you before he dies. And I'm like, that's even bigger, you know. Okay, we'll see. Well, the Lord reminded me of this. And I'm like, okay, I am going to talk to my dad and I don't know what I'm going to say, Lord. I, it's not, I can't just go to say, you know, tell them, Dad, you know your sons need you to affirm them. You know, it really would be nice if you could just affirm. I, I knew I, that wouldn't work. So I'm like, God, I, I need to know how to, how to respond to this. How do you want me to do this? And so he, all of a sudden, it was a Sunday morning, and I had somebody, I just asked for them to pray uh, over me, and God just downloaded, and he reminded me, he said, I've, I've already given you the keys, and this is what he said. He said, he reminded me, when my mom had passed away, like she, five years ago, and it was like a year later, we, we had a family gathering, a uh, reunion, and we were sitting around the, the fire, campfire, and I was sitting right beside my dad, and you know, my dad is so not connected with his heart at all. Like, I asked him after mom passed, Tell me about mom's life when she grew up because she never shared. I don't know anything. And he's like, I don't know anything about your mom's childhood because she never talked about it. That is how disconnected that was, like in my, my dad and my mom. And, but we were, I, he was sitting, I was sitting beside him and I asked him, how are you doing since mom passed? And, you know, how, how are you, you know, dealing with, you know, getting along? And he's like, you know, I'm having some regrets. It's like, whoa. And as far as I know, I'm the only one he shared this with. Like my siblings, I've shared some things and they didn't know. He said, 
I wish I would have looked. I regret that I didn't look your mom in the eyes and told her I loved her. That is huge. That my dad was connecting with something in his heart. The Lord reminded me of this. And then he showed me what I'm going to do. So we go down. We visit. We stop in. And just before we were leaving, I, my dad was in this chair. I go to him and I sit down on the ottoman and I look my dad in the eyes and I said, Dad, I want to talk to you about something. And he's like, okay. I said, remember um, what you told me about mom? Remember when you said that you regret that you didn't look mom in the eyes and tell her you loved her? And he says, yeah. I said, I don't want to live with regrets either. Dad, I want you to know that I love you. I have nothing but, but love in my heart for you. I have no judgment towards you. And I, I just need you to know that. I don't know what he said. I, I was kind of like in my own little space. But we left. He broke down. I don't remember what he said, but he broke down. It hit, hit his heart. It really did. And I've, I've really felt that the reason the Lord said that, that the Lord's going to use Amanda to, to help her dad connect with his heart is because I believe as a little girl, she connected more to his heart than any of the others. And it was like that little girl was back touching his heart. I didn't even put that together. So good. Anyway, so, on, so we left. We, we started home. And I told Yuri, I said, because so I was processing this, right, and trying to reason it out. And I'm like, I think my dad needed to hear that and thinking maybe it'll, like, touch his heart. So maybe he'll start thinking about how he needs to not have regrets when he comes to his children. And maybe he'll, you know, say something to his sons and especially my, my, son, my brothers. And then Yuri's like, yeah, I think he needed to hear that. But I think also you needed to say that. And I'm like, hmm. Okay, uh, all right. I don't. I didn't understand that. Okay, so then we came home. We would come home uh, uh, on Wednesday, and for some of you that also know that I have been on this another. The second thing that I've been contending for is my health and wellness, and the Lord, you know, I had this vision of of doing a forty day fast, and uh, the last five years I've been trying so hard to do this, and I just really felt like this was a passion and, that God put on my heart and. And then, um, and every time we go on, on vacay or trip or something, I always fast because it's easy and it's, I do it. And then I come home thinking, maybe I can, maybe this will like set me into and I can continue. Well, I came home that day and Zach was, had been sick and I'm like, oh, I'll make you some soup. And, um, and I found, uh, and so I was cooking and made him some soup and, and after, and it was really good recipe, man. And I, I dunked my spoon in it and tasting it is like it is that was it's Thai red Thai soup it was really great and Zach said mom I I mean it was so good but I all of a sudden I realized something I was not tempted to I didn't want to eat it I wasn't I wasn't there was not a draw on me to try to eat that and you have to understand something ever since I can remember whenever I would walk past food it would like eat me, eat me. And I would have to like consciously say, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Even stuff that I don't, didn't want to eat, like that wasn't healthy. You know, you've heard my stories. 
And, and, and I realized, and, I, and, and when I would be maybe going through a vulnerable time, I would, I would give in to it. And I would like, oh, I, you know, just like, ah, oh, just messed me up again. And all of a sudden, I realized that that voice inside my head was silent. And I couldn't, it was like, whoa. And then the Lord reminded me something. The first time I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit was when the Lord asked me, we were brand new Christians, and the Lord asked me to, to, um, to ask, okay, I was getting ready. I, I, for my mom and my uh, sisters were going to come and, and visit and see uh, my oldest son was a baby. And they were going to stop in and, and, um, and so I was getting ready and I was thinking about everything. And I was, I had this thought that I wanted to ask, I need to ask my sister for forgiveness because I had a little, I had some attitude against her. And anyway, um, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then I thought this thought, I need to tell her I love her. And I'm like, ah, I can't do that. We don't do that. If you've never, if you're not used to, if you haven't been raised that way, it's hard to say somebody that you, you love them, right? And I was wrestling with these words inside me. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. This is not my thoughts. This must be God. And it was incredible because I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And the next day when I did it, and um, it was like when I told her that I loved her, it was like my heart swelled up inside me so big. It felt like I literally felt like my chest was going to bust open. And, and so I experienced something. But then the next day, I realized that before that encounter, before I had told my sister that I loved her, there was like a tape inside my brain. And I knew everything she was saying about me. Everything. She had a lot of influence with my dad and a lot of stuff that went on. And it would play around. And I, I just knew everything. I, it played in, constantly in my head at that, at that time because we were going through some hard things with my family. And I realized that was silent. And I, for the, I even tried to remember, imagine, what, is she, what was she saying about me? I couldn't even in my imagine, couldn't even imagine anymore. It was so silent. It was so cut off. And that's when I realized that that same thing happened with my dad. That when I, when I told him that I loved him, it silenced the voice inside my head that it would always draw me to this, uh, to food. It used food, okay? And another thing I experienced is whenever I would get up and I would share anything behind a pulpit, after I would sit down, I would hear this voice inside my head. It would say, that was really stupid. You didn't even say it. And you didn't say, you know, clearly what you were trying. You forgot to even say the end of it. Just like I had consciously like say, I'm not listening to it. I'm not listening to it. I'm not listening to it. And all of a sudden that voice was silent. And, and so I've been having like huge, huge breakthroughs as in a new reality. And I'm just saying, um, and the reason why do I share my testimony is because each one of us has a journey that we're going on. Each one of us, we need to learn to connect with what's going on inside of our heart. It's not as simple as like, like um, 
I know our words, we need to start with our words, but we got to go deeper. We got to, when we are struggling with something and we're praying for a breakthrough, it's like God said, you know, just deal with this and, you know, fix this. But, and he wants to, but what has to happen is he goes down in, in deep inside of us and un, unveils those things that we have no idea that is keeping us in bondage. And so I'm just really encouraged. Um, um, and God, this was an answer to, to Yuri because he had no idea how to deal with fractured, fractured people until he, the Lord asked him to, you know, those couple of years ago when, if he would help somebody. And we need the body. This is why it's so important. We need to share our testimonies because hopefully something that I shared would have maybe touched something deep inside your heart and given you hope and know that God is so behind you. He's so for you. And if we can just learn, and all through my journey, it's about learning to trust God, learning to trust him. And every time he shows you and he has, we have a breakthrough and he heals our heart, like trust is deeper. Trust is, is even like is we can have faith. And our words, it starts with our words, but I think faith comes by hearing, but it's about, it's about connecting and, and learning to walk with God so that we can, our trust, like I am fearless right now. I, I mean, I, I, I can't believe like the wheel, the me that's coming out, like I, I don't recognize myself. Amen. And I have a big, uh, he's my greatest um, fan club, I think. <laughs> I am. I am. Um, and, you know, like, uh, if I would have gone to her six months ago and said, hey, Amanda, grab the mic and open the service, she'd have freaked out. No, I, I can't do that. I really, now it's like, oh, okay. What do you want me to say? Well, include this, include this, that. Okay. In other words, there, there's, there's a freedom for her to step into things now that she didn't have before. You know, and, and when there's broken parts of us that they're limiting us so much, you know, from doing the things that God created us for. And it's one of Satan's favorite strategies, I think, in limiting God's people is in breaking things deep inside of us that keep us bound and limited in some way. God's called every one of us to, to have... You know, some people have a problem if I call people world changers. Well, he's called us all to change our world. It doesn't mean that you're going to be the savior of the world. There was only one of those. Okay? But every one of us has an opportunity to change the world that we live in for the better. You know? So when I call you a world changer, that's what I'm talking about. You have a calling on your life to change the world that you live in for the better, the, the, the place that God's called you to influence. So if, if that touched you, I feel like we... we uh, if, if Amanda's testimony touched you and you're recognizing there's some things inside of you that, that you need healing from so that you can step out of a limited place, I want you to stand and I want to pray for you and, uh, and ask the Lord to help us all to embrace a healing journey to come into wholeness. And, uh, and he'll arrange things as we do. Uh, he'll arrange things if we're willing to to be courageous and step beyond our comfort zone and take advantage of the things that come our way. Uh, he'll arrange things for us to come to wholeness because he wants that for you more than you want it for yourself. He wants his sons and daughters to be whole. So, Father, I thank you for every one of these sons and daughters. 
Lord, none of us had perfect parents. Some of us had parents that in spite of uh, their best intentions were abusive. It hurt us either physically or with their words or sexually or however. And all of those things impacted us. Some of us had other people in our life who mistreated us and damaged us. And Lord, our desire is not to go through life as a victim. We want to be healed and become whole. And so, Father, we're all saying, Lord, take us on a journey to wholeness. Help us to recognize the doors in front of us, the keys to wholeness, the divine appointments that come our way, and we give you permission to get our attention any way that you need to when these divine moments and these divine connections come our way. And we're asking you to bring us to a place of wholeness to where we can live a fearless life, where we go through life as an overcomer, not a victim, and where we can make the maximum impact on this world that you've brought us into in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask right now, put your hand over your heart. I ask right now that you would release healing into all of our hearts. Any places that were damaged, places that were touched this morning as Amanda shared her testimony. We're asking you to go to the deep places of our hearts. And you touch those places and you'd bring us to wholeness. Every one of us has a desire to be able to come to Father God and sit in his lap. That's what we want, Father. And we're asking that you help us to find a safe way to get there. There's something deep inside of us that's longing for intimacy. And we've struggled, some of us, knowing how, trying to figure out how we can make that happen with our natural parents. But we're recognizing this morning that maybe first it needs to happen with you. So Holy Spirit, would you lead us, direct us? Jesus, would you take us by the hand and bring us to a place where Father God is a safe place for us and we can connect with the one who first created us in his own imagination and in his own heart before we ever came into this world and that you would help us to connect with the excitement that was in your heart as you designed us fearfully and wonderfully made and we thank you for this journey Holy Spirit would you take us and lead us in this journey and bring us to a place of incredible wholeness at the deepest place of who we are in Jesus name